Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck nicks? What the fucking Brooklynites? God damn. I'm in New York City right now. Well, Brooklyn, actually. Uh, it's a beautiful day. I'm uh, looking out a window at uh, lovely Gowanus, Brooklyn. Nice and industrial. A bit sad, but the uh, the sun is uh, tempering the possible industrial sadness. And also, this beautiful day is tempered by the fact that I'm in a Holiday Inn Express. This I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is a, a hotel room monologue, obviously. I've left my hotel room briefly to uh, caffeinate. I went up the street to Gorilla Coffee, and I don't know what the fuck is going on with that stuff, but uh, I have caffeinated myself into a state of almost paralyzed nausea uh, as I speak to you from this hotel room. Oh, by the way, Paula Poundstone on the uh, show today had a long conversation with her back in the garage, but now I'm not in the garage. As I said, I'm alone in a Holiday Inn Express in Gowanus, Brooklyn. The first day I was here, I got off the elevator on my floor and the entire hallway smelled like the inside of a bong. Not judging anybody, but it's pretty profound when the pot smell in the hallway is so bad that it it smelled in my room where literally I think I got a contact buzz just from from walking down the hallway. And that's not a relapse. That's just a freebie. So a lot of you felt a little alienated because I did a special event, WTF, at the uh, Guga Muga Fest here in Brooklyn. I can honestly say with complete confidence that I I will not do that to you again. I will not alienate uh, the WTF people by uh, being part of a situation where it's really too expensive for you to get in because, quite frankly, I could have used you there. Uh, That's all I'm going to say on that. I'm very happy I don't live here anymore. I never thought I would really say that. I, I'm pretty much over New York in general, but I always like coming back. But Jesus, I, I'm i having an experience with the things that I used to love about New York now just are horrendous to me. I used to think that like, wow, it's amazing. It's an organic living being. It's a beast of its own. You were just a cell and a larger animal pumping through the arteries of the New York metro system. And now I'm just like, oh my God. There's not a moment where I don't have someone else just right there next to me. And I've had this feeling before, but boy, man, I was filled with some serious caffeinated hate on the subway. Just like I didn't even think my immune system could handle it. I, I, I used to think like, wow, if I, if I take the subway, at least I'll be exposed to, you know, an international array of microbes more than even on a plane. And I just started to get angry and just horrified at the, I cannot, like just walking down the street with absolutely no space whatsoever. I just see this parade of people coming at me with their own problems right up in my space. And I got no boundaries. So that's a lot to handle. I can't help these people. And they're just quite honestly, they're, they're psychically raping me at, you know, as a group, I'm being gang raped psychically every second that I walk down a street in New York. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe this is not the way to frame it. I don't know. But uh, I got off the subway last night at Union Street in Brooklyn, and they were hosing the walls down, and there was just a fine mist of water being just you know, sort of 
permeating the air. This is a mist of what they've been they've been spraying the walls, the tile walls of the subway station down. Do you know what that is letting loose? Do you know that's just like a fine mist? You, I, I was like in the the inside of a tubercular lung. That's the way I saw it, and I was furious, and I, I was frightened that my uh, my newly sold boots would not be able to handle the water, and I would slip in what I, I just thought of as, as some sort of like amalgamated subway spit. That, that liquid, that foamy liquid that was coming off the tile walls of them cleaning the walls, like what was that? What was that soup? Horrible. It was, it was like the primordial soup of future generations. If they just let it sit long enough, some strange beast would slouch out of that in time, probably immune to everything, but very frightening. Wow, this was not uplifting. And I got to be honest with you, as I say this, I am looking out at a fucking beautiful day. What the fuck is wrong with me? Why can't I just go out and, and walk by myself? I'm in an industrial part of Brooklyn. There's no one around. Why can't I find Zen in that? If I'm sitting here complaining about the parade of humanity that is assaulting me on a psychic level in New York City, why can't I just appreciate walking around an empty industrial area like some sort of strange, dubious loner with nothing to do, just looking at large spaces and thinking like, wow, I wonder if I could make an apartment out of that. Look at that warehouse. Hey, what if I just put a bed in there and uh, built a bathroom? That would be cool. What would I do with the walls? I don't know. Maybe I'd become a conceptual artist. Sure, man. Let's build some shit out of found objects. And then you just open the doors and say, it's an installation. Welcome to my space. I've been in Brooklyn too long. It's just a never-ending, you know, parade of beards, dogs, tattoos, yoga mats, and children. Raising a child in Brooklyn, I know, uh, look, some of you are going to get mad at me, but part of your job as a parent, you, you, you don't have the kid play in front of the coffee shop. You can't just run around chasing a kid so he doesn't go in the street. There just seems to be better places to play. And don't, you know, don't give your kid a double macchiato. With his breakfast. Had a long conversation with, uh, with Sam Lipside about children, the possibility of having children, the possibility of me having children. I told him that, uh, you know, quite frankly, the entire undertaking consumed me with panic. Just thinking about having a child consumes me with panic. And he said, that's normal. That happens. And he told me a story about how he got over that fear, which I found endearing and, and a little bit helpful. He said that when he and his wife had their first child, you know, there was that panic. You're always checking to see if he's alive. You know, every hour or so, you're just looking in at the baby in the crib to see if he's alive. And I'm like, exactly. How, how does, that sounds horrible to me. And then he had a moment where she was going in and, and, you know, continually checking. And he just thought to himself, well, hey, look, if he dies, he dies. There's nothing we can really do about it. You're not going to stop it by looking at him. So why don't you just sit down and watch some television? That was good. It's a profound moment. I better make sure that, uh, he, he doesn't mind me saying that. Paula Poundstone is in the garage here at the Cat Ranch, and right away you say 16 cats. We have 16 cats at home, yeah. No, I didn't it? bring them. I didn't bring them. Oh, I, was, I thought you were going to bring them. My, mine were looking forward to... I'm so sorry, play date. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yeah, I thought there was a. You have a vehicle, especially. Does sixteen though? I mean, how does it happen that 
How did it do? I can tell you exactly how, because a lot of people are very judgmental about the fact that I have 16 cats. A lot of people do that. Ugh, how did you get 16 cats? Right. And I can tell you exactly how, which is I had 15 and I got one more. And that, <laughs> but, so, but when did, people ask me that question, I always feel it must be a Santa Monica education working. No, I, I like I have cats and I get judged for it as well, but I don't have 16, but I can see how it could happen. I was just wondering, did you have a cat explosion or, is it, or was it a collection? Um. No, it just—it really was quite gradual, honestly. You didn't. You start with one, and then you're all of a sudden. But your life yeah. isn't unmanageable. You're you're no, committed. I to, t- I'm very committed. I I actually have a, a callus on my hand from sifting litter boxes. No, I take very good care of <laughs> the them. litter They're callus. I've heard that. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. in the that's in the cat lady handbook. Be careful, with litter yeah, calluses. Yeah, litter callus. <laughs> it comes. It, you know, I'll tell you something. Um, when we shake hands, me and other cat owners, uh-huh. there's a you know you do a quick touch, uh, just on uh, the index finger. Yeah. Um, and they know how deep you're in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, oh, you're a pro. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're the real deal. Yeah. And they, Right, exactly. <laughs> and then you shift kind of how you talk to the person. You know what I mean? <laughs> Someone gave me that. Did you ever see that thing? You see that, that action figure, Crazy Cat Lady action figure? No. It's right up on top there. I can't. Oh, I do see. Oh, my God. Oh, that is too funny. The Crazy Cat Lady action figure. Okay, well, I am really comforted by the fact that she, only five. she looks nothing like me. <laughs> yeah, there's crazy. only five. You're right. The great, No, there's six. Um, but, How crazy uh, is she really? Yeah, yeah. The uh, I'm in the deluxe set. <laughs> yeah, you get, I, I'm like... No, this. I think you can add cats. You know, I, I don't know. I've never seen it before. You, what pretty, you do is yeah. you add cats in the... Uh, you can add cats and then also her head opens up and you pull out parts of brain. So with each cat that you add, you subtract some brain. Brain. It's really a very progressive toy. Did you read this horrible article about the cat uh, uh, parasite thing in the brain? Do you know about that? Oh, somebody mentioned it to, to me. Top of, uh, it comes from the kitty litter or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah You're not yeah. concerned with it, right? I don't I've, think I am. Good. I don't think I am. I'm not going mean, to. I'm, ca- need... I'm careful. I, you know, you I, don't, I, you... I wash <laughs> my hands and we use a, a soap. And I, I do think that I'm, uh, you know, as careful as one could be. Well, that's good. You got to be careful with that stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I am. Cat but, poop. You know, very dangerous. That's what they say. But does your house smell could like Could you pe- rob a bank with it? That's what I want to know. Could you really just hold up a little bit of cat feces and say, you know what? Give me all your money. And no. not the exploding ink kind of Yeah, either. maybe. But I mean, they say that that, that that parasite could make you possibly rob a bank. That's the thing that they the the it, it freaked me out not much because I'd heard about it before but this toxoplasma Gandhi virus apparently I'm not going to do this. They put Gandhi's name into a virus. That's not right. Well, it could be right, but not in this particular case. I okay. mean, a Gandhi okay. virus that actually Oops, promoted and and helped world peace would be fine. Yeah, wouldn't that be yeah, fine? That, yeah, but that's where's terrible. the good virus? The virus Honestly. that makes everybody love each other. Yeah, well, that mm. we don't have that yet. No, no, they're working um, on it. So though. they say that it can make you nutty, and then you might rob. And you might rob. Well, a they, bank. they they say that because I, I love the idea that I do have a defense right. to anything that that's I do. Right. At this I'm point. crazy because yeah. it's the cat poop. The yeah. cat poop. Yeah. Did this to me. Really good about that. Well, I'll be honest with you. I um, actually saw you very early on in my. I can't. I'm going to try to place this memory because I started in Boston doing comedy for the most part. I started there. I started in a few places, but I was in Boston. And this was the ding ho. Once or twice as an open micer, but it was towards the end of it. Uh But when I saw you, it was like a return to Boston. It was like a heroic return. It was at the Paradise, and I think it was the first time you'd been back since you bolted. Uh, to to leave the reason I remember it is like not only were you hilarious uh, a very original voice in comedy Paula Poundstone is thank you but not you were delivered a case of ho-hos 
Oh, that would have been ding dongs. Ding dongs. Uh, not ding dongs. Oh my gosh. Why my, you forgot? My tongue should just burn. I know. Uh, ring dings. Ring dings. Oh, forgive me. Please forgive me. The ring dings were very important yeah. early on. Yeah. They were like, they were, uh, you were synonymous with ring dings. I still love ring dings. My daughter and I, I was just in Boston last weekend. I was at the Wilbur Theater and my daughter and I stayed in a hotel where there was a vending machine. Yeah. And they had uh, the two pack of ring dings. And you were like, I'm home. I was. I was overjoyed. And my daughter said she, she's the kind of kid that looks at the label, yeah, which I just think is in the way. Um, but she goes, Mom, there's um, saturated fat. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Give them to me. That's yeah. why you shouldn't eat them. Give them to me. Right. But I do you remember doing that show? Do you remember like, uh, was that, would that have been the first time you'd been back? Um, Probably 19... Possibly not. What I did, I, I did like shows. I I was in college. I, I still do shows there in the same way. I do it like those people who keep saying they're retiring and they yeah. keep doing more shows. I had uh, probably, you know, a good 50 triumphant return shows. Oh, good for you. Yeah. yeah. yeah I really long, dragged as, it out. As, 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 as long as they maintain the triumphant yeah, uh, yeah. part. Yeah. But now, oh, Stephen Wright was in here too. So he would have been part of your... Group, right? He was. He just came to my show at the Wilbur. It was great seeing him. Oh, really? He's nutty as a fruitcake. Yeah. And we have the greatest time together. Well, you guys were, I think, uh, similar in the sense that you were kind of unique in how you delivered things. I mean, you were anomalies. We were. We were you're exactly right. We were not. I mean, Steve weathered that storm better than I did, mm -hmm. uh, which is why I, I left, I guess. But uh, it was a very tough um, setting um, the 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 guys that were very very popular had a had kind of a similar style, and I think it's because the audience came from the same place. The audience were largely that you know fans of Lenny Clark, right? And they were guys he grew up with, and right. they all had these kinds of you know. Inside <laughs> he actually jokes. knew everybody in South Boston. I think so. he actually did. He really did. I <laughs> yeah, mean, that's he was true. like sort of the unofficial mayor, yeah. and, and our you know of of. of Cambridge, anyways, and not elite Cambridge, not MIT, Harvard, Cambridge, right. but the the, the, the local Cambridge, yeah. and so uh, yeah, and that was a difficult crowd for me to play to back then. Um, you know, I, I did it, but it wasn't. When uh, did you start? Can you, can, okay, can what? can you can you curse on? Uh, yeah, of on course, the, of course. Okay. I will tell you that one night w during one of my many triumphant returns, I was doing an open mic night, um, and That's I followed. Uh, well, you know, I'll tell you, the open mic night at the Ding Hall was a joy. It was so much fun to do. I miss those. I, I you know, uh, uh, those open mic nights were were just hot. Well, in San Francisco too. Those were the greatest nights. Uh, you know, then the weekend nights were were good. But on the, for example, I used to host the open mic night frequently at the other cafe in San Francisco, right. which was a great venue. And um, that's really how I learned to do my job. That's really where you ran out of material when you were hosting. There were sometimes, the premise of that, uh, podcast listeners, um, the premise of that was that anybody that wanted to could go up for five minutes and tell their jokes. And uh, There might be some waiting or, or a list or someone in charge or something. Right. There was a you, tremendous amount of waiting back then. We're talking like early, early 80s. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, we'd go, the show might start at like eight o'clock and go until one thirty. Sure. Um, and as the MC, you know, your job was supposedly to keep the crowd, you know, like so if somebody went on that was kind of off, you had to kind of get the crowd back. And also, wasn't there that begging come like 1230? Like, no, 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 we've only got yeah. four more. Yeah. There's only four more. Well, I was never a big beggar. I mean, I always felt like let the let the chips fall where they may. Oh. I mean, I have, uh, you know, I've performed to two people sure. before. And I have, by the way, yeah. I had a great time doing it. Yeah, uh, 
how could that be bad? Uh, you know, it's, you know, well, it's the... Once you shift and realize, oh, we're just going to talk. This could right. be the best, you know, could be the best night ever. Exactly. Yeah. Exa- you're right, though. The, the shift is the key thing. Oh, yeah. You have to go from feeling like, well, what a pathetic experience to, Ex- yes. what can I do with this? This is going to be kind of so oh, yeah. fun. Well, especially if you're standing, you know, watching an audience diminish as the evening goes right. on. And oh, you, yeah. That's when you, you make a shift. That's right. You got to make the shift from like, oh, this is going to fucking suck to yeah. like, you know, they seem nice and they're holding, you don't yeah. want to get up there yeah. and alienate the only two people that wanted to stay the whole show. Precisely. Which, by the way, is another lesson that I learned just in that process. I mean, I watched so many people go on and be angry with the handful of people that stayed. Right. And I thought, well, that's not the right dynamic. Right. These are your friends. That's right. These are the good people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the people who left, by the way, may have been good people too. They may have just had jobs in the morning. Kids or, or children and at home. Sitters. Yeah. But let's talk about the Ding Ho because I talked to, uh, like, I've only had a couple of people on that, that really were part of that because it was it was a really important venue in Boston. It was part of a, it was a, a, the bar of a Chinese restaurant in Cambridge. It and it was, it was notorious because all of Boston comedy, it was sort of a, a the tide pool. It was like where everything started to come out of. Like Lenny used to right. host the, uh, he used to host the open mics there. Yeah. Jimmy Tingle was bartender there. Stephen Wright got his uh, Tonight Show break there. Um, yeah, Mike Donovan was so good. You got to listen to that show. Is Such fantastic. a sweetheart. He's the nicest guy in the world and a genius as a comic. I he mean, really just is a genius. So, where, who were those? So, you were. Where did you come from in uh, New England? I was from Sudbury, Massachusetts, which Sudbury. was a small, dull colonial. And, and you grew up there. Or is that where you're from town. originally? Um, I was born in Alabama, but I only lived there for a month before I'd already done everything there was to do. Uh, How old so, were you when you left Alabama? Uh, a month. That oh, yeah. so really my father then. was actually in Sudbury getting his job on the night that on the night what that was, I what was his racket? Born. He worked at uh, Raytheon, which oh, was a, big you know, uh, big employer in yeah, the yeah. New England area. Yeah, yeah, and so he was he you know so he did he did that, which is why we moved from the south. And then I would and I consider myself the what's that word beneficiary? I think uh-huh. is the right word of that move. Um, were you were you have other siblings? Massachusetts. I do. I have a brother and two sisters. Older. Uh, all older, yeah, I was the youngest. So they were, did they, then any of them uh, retain any of their southernness? Or were they old enough? Or did you all just become uh, regionalized by the New England tone? No, I think we were largely regionalized. Mm. Um, you know, my, my mother still has an accent to the best of my knowledge, um, but also. <laughs> no, uh, no talking to mom? Uh, not so much. Okay. But uh, we, um, <laughs> you know, the funny thing about Sudbury is it, 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 you can live there and. And have a New England accent, or you can live there and not have a New England right. accent. They give I, you the option when you check in. You do. It's kind of like a tornado. You know, it hits some homes really hard, and, and others. You know, you're just on the well, news uh, talking about how lucky you are. You you, you didn't talk like that. I, yeah. I, di- I didn't. I tend to pick up a little bit when I go back I can to hear visit. A little bit, sure. Well, it's more from um, it's more from imitating them. Like when I will talk to somebody in it's the contagious. crowd. It's contagious. I talked to somebody in the crowd at Wilbur the other night who told me that they lived in uh, no, they worked in Chelmsford, but they uh, they. Commuter from Bill Ricca. <laughs> Bill Ricca. Bill Ricca, which yeah. is so funny because both of those names have you know significant R's in them, yeah. which is just pointless. Bill Ricca. Bill Ricca. I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah. That wasn't that far away from Cambridge, right, Bill Ricca? No, well, Massachusetts is a small state. Nothing's that far away from anything. Right, but I, I remember there was a rock club there. Something bad happened in Bill Ricca. Maybe it was just a gig I did. I can't remember. <laughs> All right, so you- uh, I so, didn't read about that. So you started, it, you, when, so you started doing open mics at Ding Ho? I think I started at uh, with the Comedy Connection, right. um, which was in the basement of the Warrington Charles- Street. Yeah, it was in yeah. the basement of the Charles Playhouse at the time, and uh, which is also the place where I saw um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest with my parents, which was just <laughs> is that what did awkward. It? It was- <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, like, you know those those theaters. Um, the, for that matter, the um, where was I just? What did I tell you? The Wilbur. Oh yeah, that was the beautiful. Wilbur I just there too. It's had great. Um, used to used to have uh, you know plays and things. So and when I was in high school, I went with one of my high school teachers. T- took me to see Equus yeah. um, with at, your, uh, at the Wilbur. With, so I was sitting beside my high school teacher while there were naked people on stage, which, and, a, I, and I loved this teacher, by the way. I mean, if I were going to see naked people on stage, which just any two teacher, of you? I would have chosen her. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was one other student. Because, yeah, that's bordering They did stuff on. like back then. It was <laughs> right. great. Actually, they took it was the, great. the interested students out for special evenings. They did, like, yeah. You we seem were to very social together in mm-hmm. the, back then. And nowadays, I just that sort of thing would never happen. Well, you can barely get them. I, I, I hear public school education is not to, in the best state well but certainly the one for my children I, I i swear to you i asked my oldest daughter who is a graduate of santa monica high school i asked her to do something for me the other day that required fractions and i swear i'm not making this up and she's not a stupid kid yeah but uh, she couldn't do it and uh, so i spent the rest of the night like laboring over fraction problems with her and at one point i stumbled from the room and tweeted therapeutically that i was helping my daughter with fractions and somebody tweeted back to me they said well um, they d- didn't use fractions in their adult life like as if I were burdening my daughter with a skill that was unnecessary and I tweeted back to the guy I said we're working on halves which I think she might need for the event of a messy divorce I, I think there are some th- you preparing know. well that's that old weird uh, stupid adage of like you know you never use algebra yeah but when you learn it it trains your brain to do something that it's not so much about p- uh, practical application as much as it is about thinking that's what I'm told. I'm never quite sure what we need and what we don't need. I really don't. I mean, I should make a list. I should be making a daily list and go, what was, you know, what was missing here for yeah. me? They always do say like I'm, I'm looking into sending my son to an alternative school because um, he's about to go to high school, and I'm just really concerned that the same thing that happened to her is going to happen to him, and. Uh, so I'm reading uh, the website of this school the other day, and it says that they, you know, their mission is to teach kids to think. Right. And uh, you know, okay, I support that mission. I'm not sure how. You, you know, I mean, I was hoping to do that as well, and so far it just ain't taken. Uh, so I'm not sure, you know, what you do to right. So you know, okay, I hear the mission, but tell me exactly what it is you do to get that thinking going on. You do know you what a, I mean? Do you have a, a some sort of structure to the thinking teaching? Yeah, exactly. Have, is there, is exactly. There a syllabus of some kind, or is it vague? Yeah, because I think we were all hoping. Yeah. It's okay. like it's like when politicians, <laughs> yeah. you know, make these speeches about how they're going to bring the economy back. Like, well, well you that's know, there wonderful. Yeah. I think that we, uh, you know, no matter, you know, you know, the Green Party, the Wacky Party, the yeah. Independents, the yeah. Republicans, the Democrats, I think we all share that goal. Yeah. The question is, what exactly were you going to do yeah. to bring that about? Right. Do you have a plan of any kind? Yeah, that could be good. I said it confidently. Why do I need a plan? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you believe me yeah. in that moment? Yeah. The problem is you just don't have the faith. You know, <laughs> right. uh, um, and, and the. Any, I, I listen to public radio a lot, and so in well, you're a given on it. day, you mean, well, you're yeah. on it a lot. Well, I'm not listening, hoping to be on. Uh, I was listening before I was uh-huh. on it because I trust their news as far as one yeah, can I like trust yeah. news. But um, they, you know, in a given day, you might hear uh, some sort of report from maybe four different economists. Sure, um, they don't all necessarily say the exact same thing, but I do think I hear a consistent refrain of that there are cycles. Sure, cycles, you know, and their problems. Yeah, well, that's which all would you're... indicate, by the way, that it has nothing to do with the sitting president 
Um, right, absolutely. Uh, good times or, sure. or, or bad. Yeah, I like the I like the bleak ones. Uh, who's the guy with the Italian name that that they always go to? The Economist, who's sort of like, oh, it's it's never coming back. We're in trouble. With, uh, oh, uh, I don't know. Oh, you know, you would he's know. Him. He's got to be on, in my house somewhere. He's, yeah, he's on he's in, on CNN a lot. I feel bad. Could, that it could be my assistant. Yeah. <laughs> The, the negative assistant. Yeah. All right, so let's go I back have to- a, I have a cast yeah. of characters that I work with. I, I have an agent who doesn't like to talk on the phone and a shy publicist. A sh- <laughs> what, are the, what are the odds of that? That's not good. A shy publicist. I have a shy can, publicist. Can you get me that magazine? Yeah. I don't know. I'm nervous. Yeah. About it. I, I, try, yeah. I was going to call, but- it, I, yeah, I didn't, didn't want to push. Yeah, you think yeah, I was in I hear a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And my manager, um, is keeps just she keeps moving further and further away. She'd like to live on a farm. Who's your manager? Um, Bonnie Burns, actually. And she's fantastic. Who but, does she- uh, She represents a couple comics, no? Or just you? I think just me. Oh. I don't know. Okay. You know, she does a brilliant thing, which is that um, any other- uh, clients that she has um, and I do think she has a couple others um, and I don't even know what their comics yeah you don't um, want to know who the other clients are she doesn't talk to me about them yeah no that's probably the best it is the Th- best that's sort I'm of an not... unspoken rule yeah I had a manager that talked about the other clients a lot and, yeah. and, it, and it felt like why are you hitting me with other people's success yeah exactly stop yeah, beating yeah, me exactly. up yeah yeah. my publicist used to always tell me about uh, oh so and so just did this I'm like yeah, oh yeah, god yeah, yeah. and I'm... he did it with puppets so yeah. I'm like you know what like she's only a publicist to tell other clients how good someone else is doing. I'm doing. I'm working for him right now and telling you how great he is. So all That's right, some good publicity. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to Boston because is there a drop switch here? What do you want to cough? No, you can just. I'll cut it oh, out. Great, thank you. <coughs> I cough a lot. <coughs> you may have a lot of cutting to do. It's okay. It's no problem. I have terrible allergies. Do you really? Not cats. You know, I, I swear to you, I actually went to an allergist. I've been I've been coughing for, you know, easily twelve solid years, and and you know, people are always going, "Have you seen a doctor? Have you seen a doctor?" Yeah. And I, I, you know, if it were something degenerative, I I would be dead by now. So I didn't really need to see a doctor. But that's always was, good to wait that kind of stuff out to see I if actually tell, takes. Well, no, but I could tell. Like I can tell, <laughs> you know, cleaning products, sure, uh, any kind sure. of lotion, anything yeah. with a scent to it sends me crazy. So I could just tell that it was an allergy. So I didn't want to go to to an allergist because I went to one when I was a kid and it didn't really help. And so I thought, well, but then, you know, it just went on for so long. So I thought, okay, well, maybe the science has changed. Maybe they've improved. Maybe there's more they can do and I'm yeah. missing. And it interrupts my life. So I thought, okay. So I go. I paid like, I think, you know, $300 to talk to a woman that I swear to you actually had the nerve to say to me. She asked if I had pets. I said, yes, I have 16 cats. And she said, well, it could be cats. <laughs> Like, am I an idiot? Did I come here for for like a problem in my head? Yeah. No. If I were allergic to cats, yeah, I would have some sense of that by sure, now. Sure. Thank you. you. I'm you not a moron. Like waking up, not being able to breathe every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they they do the little stupid scratch test thing, and she comes up with you know, oh, it's dust mites. Well, dust okay. Mites. If you're allergic to dust mites, and I, my guess is everyone is, it doesn't sound like a good thing to no. be around. Um, then you know, pretty much. That's you, it. You're gonna cough. Yeah, get some Kleenex. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna cough a lot. Make sure that you know you right. turn your head because people get upset, and uh, yeah. yeah, you're so not you're, gonna you're, peel you're, yeah. from the dust mite allergy. Allergies are like it's, I don't I don't have them, but I know people that have them. Some are worse than others, but yeah, those ones that are so general, there's no. Yeah, it's a so it's like you, all right. So live with it. If I were allergic to money, I would be better off because. I now have less, having come seen this woman. <laughs> she also handed me a catalog. I swear to you, this is true. She comes in the room, she hands me a catalog of things that I can purchase to help my allergies. Like what? Uh, like a, a humidifier. Uh, like uh, a, yes, and uh, like a um, air purifier. Uh, you know, some uh, 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 no, some blankets. 
that you know are woven so tightly that the dust mites can only knock but not get in. Is, doesn't that piss you off though? Because I had that happen at a dentist where you realize my, that that what they're hustlers as well and they're they're sort of uh, hucksters. Yeah. I go to this dentist and they're trying to push me on a toothbrush, a branded toothbrush, a brush I've never heard of. It looked like it was manufactured in a small factory, and they're sitting here telling me that I should really buy it because it's better than the one that every dentist in the world says is good. Yeah, they're like yeah. this is better than Sonicare. Yeah. No, I'm like they, why? Why haven't I ever heard of it? Well, you know we manufacture. I'm like, oh, so you made up this thing. Right, absolutely. There's it's no ridiculous. there's no question that that is a fact. And by the way, when you take your kids for orthodontia, um mine didn't it, work. It is the the level of orthodontia that your child requires yeah. um is based uh, uh and they've done studies purely on how many of the orthodontist's children are going to college. <laughs> And whether or not they have a back deck. Yeah, every orthodontist every office has a little like a, a thing, like the column of what I need right, exactly. versus my patients. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How screwed up your kid's teeth are. So like, for example, you never want to go to an orthodontist with your kid um, in the early spring right. because that's when the construction on a nice deck would begin. <laughs> So, so you, you want to steer? Wait, wait that kid. Wait, the, wait it out till winter. Yeah, and hopefully it's better to go after the yeah. college admissions. Yeah, um, of their you know. kids. So you should do a lot of research on your orthodontist yeah. before. You know, see how many kids they have, how old they are, uh, how old their house is, yeah. you know, whether or not they have central air, and uh, and and whether they are in the deck area. Right, and I'll, you know what kind of personal debt they may have. Sure, if there's any problems, that that's a very interesting idea to actually do personal. Uh, what would you call it? Research reports on people you're you're going to see. It's, I'm not sure that um, makes sense. That vets don't work much the same way, dude. I don't even go to I. You know, unless my cat is is really ill, it's such a racket because they're playing off your anthropomorphizing sensitivity. Oh no, absolutely! I swear, I have visited. Um, I've you know because we do have a lot of animals. Yeah. I do occasionally go to the vet, but I don't keep taking the same one because you know if I have a cat that is somehow. Um, you know their numbers up um have you had to do that a lot um uh, you know what yeah because i've had a lot of cats it, yeah it, i got, I'm it, so there's s- a beginning and a middle and an end and 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 that is for you know americans don't like that idea at all yeah, so i go I sometimes like there's a protocol when you go to the vet you always look into the carrier uh, of the other people in the mm. waiting room. It's just polite. And you always say, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Even if you can't really recognize what it is, you right. just do that. It's or you just do a- one of these. Oh, yeah. look at it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah, they love that. They love that. That's like scratching the neck <laughs> of the owner. Pet owner. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, I noticed at one point, like, it was the same lady with the same animal over and over again, sure, yeah, you know? Yeah, And And, and I, I think she at has one problems. Point, and I think Fluffy was dead. <laughs> I think it had, like, you know, they replaced the back legs with wheels. Right. And then one of the front legs was, like, with a coat right, hanger. I think they just did, yeah. like, yeah. And they were replacing the fur with, like, carpet scraps yeah, by this yeah, time. Yeah. And then she had a spray bottle that she would moisten <laughs> Fluffy's nose with. And I just, I don't want to be the one to say it yeah, but I do yeah. think it's time for it, Fluffy right well, the, well clearly the vet wasn't saying it either no she, the, give vet, me... the vet has no reason to say well it. that's what scares me because I've gone in because I got the three cats and, and one time and I'm, I'll never do it again I just decided that Monkey he didn't look right he, he didn't he, the energy wasn't right and I bring this cat in and I didn't really realize it until that moment where you know your own delusion is burst because I'm like the guy's like well what's the matter with him I'm like he just seems a little you know under the weather and the guys are like seemed fine to me, and, I'm, and I had that moment where I realized I'm projecting 
onto this cat. The cat's fine. He was probably just tired or whatever. And it was it was this, a real realization. Like I'm one of those people. I've got to stop myself from being one of those people. Oh, I well, I, we're all with those people we're all those people we absolutely are I must say I took my cat Matilda in she might have been the last cat that I took to the vet I took her in because um, she, she just one day I had this big medicine ball uh, yeah. uh, you know like an exercise ball and uh, I, I didn't use it a lot by the way um, but it was gray and kind of speckled and it was in the living room and Matilda was right beside it and she was bathing Yeah, she couldn't even reach like her own parts because oh. she is so massive. Right. She is so oh, fat. fat. fat and I realized like she she was kind of unclean because she hadn't really been taking care of herself the way she needed to. I look over at the, the ball and her, it looked like a match set, I swear <laughs> to you. She was enormous. And I went, oh my God, you know, she must have like some sort of a growth or something. Uh-huh. Like, you know, so I, I, I say to my daughter, I go, you know what? I think we got to go to the vet right now. Uh-huh. And uh, I run out to the garage and I grab a cat carrier and I come back in the house and I take Matilda, who obviously didn't want to get in the character, into the um, the crate that is. So I, I, I put the crate on its end so that the opening is up top. And I decide to make gravity my friend and drop the cat sure, down into yeah, it. Do I it. swear to you. Yeah. She was too rotund to, get to fit box? through the hole. Oh, so then man. I yelled to my daughter. I go, I got to go get the large carrier. Sure. And I run back out and I come back in. Yeah. <laughs> I say, I got bad news. That was the large carrier. <laughs> oh, no. So we had to just carry her in our arms to the vet. We get there and the guy's like, um, yeah, she's just fat. Yeah. <laughs> she's really fat. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. And I really was convinced that she had some sort of glandular problem. Sure. But I happen to have, now I really do sound like a nutty cat lady, but I swear I'm not. Um, I happen to have a 24-hour uh, webcam that focuses on my cat's food and water bowls. And, um, I, you know, sometimes I keep it on when I'm on the road, when I'm in a hotel, you know. Just oh, yeah, that's kind not of fun any to indication that you're a and, cat person, uh, crazy yeah, that, cat person, yeah, that, that you're you know, bringing you a think, traveling webcam yeah, of your you cat's that, bowls. Okay, but it's available to everyone to view. Um, Is that it's true? It's available at paulpoundstone.com. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, anyways, I, I will tell you that- Do you need to check now, or from, do you want me to check, or are you okay? Uh, no, you check later. Okay. Um, but I will tell you that uh, it turns out the Matilda's at the bowl a lot. Sure. It's not really, it's not It's not a problem of nature. I had a fat cat. And I and I and I, uh, she's gone. My ex-wife took that one. But I, I had a slight, you know, I, I was judgmental. I resented that cat because I, I didn't feel like it had the self-respect of the other cats who clearly kept in shape. I projected that much onto the fat cat. I had, I really had a problem with the fact that she didn't see, like, you know, well, why doesn't that cat take care of itself? Look at it. How can it, you know? It's getting fatter. And you felt that, because you're incredibly fit. You didn't, you but felt I, that it's somehow. I've got eating problems. Oh, I got, so this uh, is the, this is a, the new Mark Maron? No, no, it's it's just like I'm very, uh, I, I'm obsessed with food. And I'm obsessed with, uh, my mother was very, uh, like, thin. And it was very important to her. And she kind of pushed that into my being. So I'm hyper aware. You know, I, I have. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, crazy. I have food issues. I didn't know. Well, how would you? You don't look like you have food issues. No, it's all like mental. You a regular guy. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad. I, fed, I feel better. That'll... I got to tell you something. My what? cat Matilda's twice the size of you. <laughs> <laughs> I suggest you stay away from the meow mix. Yeah, which I'll try. Has... I think that what you should do then, uh, if I can give you my system, is shame that cat. Shame that oh, cat. Is that how you do sure, it? Sure. Just make that cat. Just start saying things like "you're so." You're not just overweight. <laughs> you have a problem. And I would say pull it away from the bowl until it's upset with itself. You oh. ever tried that? No. So let's wait. I want to talk more about the the ding ho and how somebody with your particular voice. <laughs> 
My particular lilting voice? Is that what no, you mean? No, no, your approach to comedy, because I know what it's like to perform in Boston, and I can only... How old were you when you started doing uh, stand-up there? 19. So you're 19 years old. You're, you're an oddball, right? Yes. You will uh, own that. And you're going up in front of these audiences so like, hey, who the fuck is this? Absolutely. I, okay, you know what I started to tell you earlier about, about the, the Dingo? About the Wilbur? About yeah. the Dingo. I followed a comic. Now, I will say he said it as a, it was a joke about how far could he go kind of thing. But I swear to you, this is true. It was an open mic night on one of my triumphant returns. And I followed um, a comic whose last line before he left was, so I was eating out the cunt of a bear. Yeah. And not only that, but the crowd went Wild sure, over it, sure. and now I go. It's a lot on, going on, there. you know, to tell like a little cat story. You know, I, I, yeah, it was just one of those moments where you go, you know, uh, maybe that was this a- is not the right time and place. <laughs> maybe I need to control my destiny a little yeah. bit more than this. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a, it was a rough place to, to uh, work out. Do you definitely. remember the? Uh, do you remember the punchline of that joke? That was the punchline. That was the punchline. Yeah, and, and as I said, the crowd went insane. Now, I think he, you know, he, the, the joke was kind of like, how, you know, how disgusting um, can I get? And I got to tell you, among bears, that kills. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Bears love that. Bears love that. Yeah, they because do. they don't think they cross over and they feel isolated. So yeah, just to exactly. be part of something. So, <laughs> yeah, this guy is doing <laughs> a Ranger Rick tour yeah, sure. to yeah. beat the band. Well, that, well, that's what He's I doing. The salacious Ranger Rick yeah, tour, yeah, right? The the raw Ranger Rick tour. So, but I, I, so how long from that moment? Where I mean, how much shit did you take? I mean, did you do those one nighters in Boston? Or were you primarily? I did. I did. I did plums in Worcester. Sure. I did, where there was. A, Who were you working for? The Connection or uh, Mike yeah, Clack? Yeah. Did you work for Mike Clack? I think it was the Connection. Uh-huh. I did work for Mike Clack some, but you know, I was always. I mean, you knew if they were hiring me that like pretty much everyone else was dead. Um, you know, that, that every, really? every, everybody else was unavailable. I was not popular among the people who booked. But were you one of those people, because I know how you know Boston works sometimes, where it's just sort of like um, you were treated as sort of this weird one, but you know, you send her out and she'd be, you know, maybe she'd do it, maybe she wouldn't. Like there was assumption there, there was, and it still exists, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, that there are the local heroes that still work, and they're, they're great comics, but for a while there, and you, you came up you know, before me, there was this weird aversion to like uh, these these weird kids that are doing this thing now. There was actually a little bit of a schism between regional acts and and people that were unique. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I th- and I think that Stephen Wright changed that, and Goldthwait changed that a bit. And there was a couple guys that came out of Boston that were you know weirdos in a good way. Oh yeah, yeah. But you're right. They had a different. Um, they were sensibility. They were, you know, I mean, Stephen kind of is a is a bad example because he he just sort of was. He was just so great. I mean, so undeniable. Sweet guy too. That he yeah. was, yeah, yeah, he is. Um, that you know that he, you know, they were. But he stayed there. They too. were tripping over themselves, right. To have, to, mm-hmm. you know, to have Steve. He he didn't, you know, he didn't have to sort and of ha- succumb. How many women were there you know, working in that crew? There weren't hardly Not many. any. No, there was a great comic. Um, uh, named Lauren Dabrowski. Yeah, she passed you, away. Yeah, sad. Yeah, she, yeah she was great. But yeah. She used to work out of there. Right. And, uh, I knew her actually because um, I knew her before either of us were stand-ups. Uh-huh. Um, uh, she was the cashier at a restaurant in Boston that I bust tables at at Salad for All Seasons, and so I was lucky enough to just enjoy. You know, hanging out and laughing with Lauren Dombrowski, which was a great time. Yeah, there was a few. There were some people that kind of followed your footsteps. I remember a girl named uh, Jennifer Hogue, who was kind of interesting, and Sue McGinnis, who was more of a, a you know, more like the guys. She beat me in the uh, WBCN. Well, I don't know. Anything uh, yeah, no, it was no. long. But like, yeah, because you split. 
be you know to protect yourself on some level to to you know. I went to see what clubs were like in other cities. So I took uh, a Greyhound bus around the country, and I was. Uh, Are you afraid I, of flying? Um, no, I didn't have oh, any money. Okay. Right. Um, so I used to be able to get you get a. a, a a ticket to go anywhere you wanted for a month for $150. Anyway, so, you can just get on any bus anytime and go. Right, I remember right, that vaguely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I did that um, for a couple of months. And uh, um, I would go to, I would go, for example, to Denver. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, as somewhere along the way. And what I would do is uh, I'd arrive in Denver, put my suitcases in a locker, find a schedule that showed me, um, I would look for, Another location, a, a place that I could, a destination that was about four hours away, and I would find when was the last time they were leaving the Denver bus station. I would then return to get on that bus, and as soon as I arrived at that four hour away destination, I would, you know, get back on another bus coming back to Denver, and in this way, I got my eight hours. Right. So I yeah, lived yeah. on a Greyhound bus and uh, so, for for a couple months. And you did you went and looked at comedy or just yeah. cities? Now, yeah. but there was really a weird kind of almost like a migration of of Boston comics to San Francisco. There was a trap door, I think, between the two places. It's interesting because it was like Dana Gould, you, Kevin Meany, uh, Bobcat, Tomcat. Yeah. Um, who else was from the Boston that ended up there? But that was like the big five, right? Yeah, Dan Spencer. Oh, Dan um, Spencer, and, and the other guy that was one of those the three. The three guys from Boston, Goldthwaite, Spencer, and there was another guy who's Tom named, Kenny. Um Tom and there was another one. There was one other Paul one? something whose name Koswalski. was Koswalski. Thank you. Yes. No disrespect, Paul. No, he's here. He actually he's uh, he runs a theater. He's got a theater that oh, he I lives didn't know in. That. Yeah, the fake gallery is oh, Koswalski's yeah, he's bearded and he's like, he lives in this space where he has a stage and uh, a lot of San Francisco, like Jim Earl works there frequently, oh, David Feldman. He's funny. got his own little world down there and he paints. Like huh. it's it's interesting to catch up with people sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But, it makes me smile to hear all these names. By the way, I mean it's not like every moment of our existence together was charming and wonderful, but there were fun times. Because I mean, I, there were pictures of you in the punchline. But what was it about uh, San Francisco that became such a mecca to a certain type of comic? Because I I lived there for two years and I remember why. You know. I'll tell you something. The, the the strange thing to the whole story about stand-up comedy in the 80s was why did the Comedy Connection, which was, were these two producer guys that decided to- Barclay oh, yeah, and Downs? Right. That we'll, you know, we'll start having stand-up comedy. Why did they do that at the same time as Rick at- um, Catch? Uh, no, in uh, Chicago. Uh, I can never remember the name of that club, but I work there a lot. Zanies? Thank you. Yeah. Um, and you know what I mean? Why did all those places spring up? I mean, stand-up comedy's been going, you know, since they, they came out of the caves. When did it become caves. a business? Yeah, why but, did it blow but up? Why, no, why did that renaissance start right then in all those cities simultaneously and it was not orchestrated such that there was a burgeoning comedy scene in all these places that I could go on the Greyhound bus? Do you have an San answer? San Francisco was just one of them. I don't, that is the uh, one of the great mysteries, uh, that and the Big Bang, both uh, are confusing Why to was me. there an explosion of stand-up at that time? Right at the same time and yeah. in all those places at the same time and originally we had not traveled yeah this was like you know the beginning of uh you know well there was literally but that at that time there were still those four comedy cities it was new york and la and then it but seemed new york to be and LA always, always had right something. but then there was boston and san francisco right there were not huge like uh kind of local scenes until later well, there was there was chicago right chicago um, there yeah. were parts of uh uh you know ohio mm -hmm. um uh, so I, yeah, there was uh, Denver at yeah. the Comedy Works. Comedy Works, great. I have no idea. There's Roseanne was uh, out of there, right? And uh, made me laugh till I cried one night hanging out. Uh huh. Um, 
That, that was the best stuff. Um, I have no idea why, but when I took um, the Greyhound bus and ended up in San Francisco. You just I, ended up there. Yeah, you know, it's because there's ocean after that. Right. And so I did just stop there. I had a friend from Boston, another comic who had gone there. Who? Um, Jim Morris. Uh-huh. And he said that I could the stay. The Impressionist? Yes. Uh-huh. And he, he was from Boston. Right. And he said that I could s- stay with him, which, by the way, his roommates hated, and I didn't stay with him for very long. But he didn't, uh, I couldn't reach him by phone the day that I arrived on the Greyhound bus, and so I stayed with a stranger the first night. I wish I could find that guy again. I have no idea where he went. Never found him again. The only reason I stopped staying at his place was because the stairs to his uh, apartment were just too much for me. Um, I just, <laughs> I, even at a young age, I was just but too, like too that, lazy for but, that. But the first night I ever went on stage at the, at, at the other cafe, I just went, oh, oh my God, I found it. I right. found the thing. I found where I belong. It was embracing community. Like they like you know, San Francisco had a history of loving odd people. They did. And they, you they, can, and they were willing to sort of be patient and wait for it. Right. They were willing. They were like, no, you go ahead. You, right. You find the thing, yeah. and then you tell us, and we will be so thrilled that we were here the night you found it. <laughs> you, you, we were you know there what I mean? The night Paula found Paula. It's true. They would wait and wait. They would. They never seemed resentful. If you you could be like totally unfunny for ten minutes, not on purpose, of course. Right. Um. But you know, and then all of a sudden hit the thing, and they were back, and they were with you, and they were just thrilled to have been on the kind of ground floor. Um. They took took great pride in. It, well, people like me, but that, that imp- they felt like they made me, and but, you know what, they were right. But Boston claims ownership too, right? Uh, only, only. Uh, in, uh, no, in the sense of audiences. I mean, they, you are yes, lo- but 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 that that took quite a while for that regional pride to show up. I mean, I think for the longest time, I was an embarrassment to my hometown, an embarrassment to. Uh, you oh, know. thank God you 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 made it. I, you, you I crossed persevered. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's also interesting that in in the eighties that that crew out of San Francisco was very diverse, very you know I mean you came out of the same bunch like Slayton right yeah. and there's that all those early punchline comics I mean who uh, I'm trying to think. it was DeGeneres there she came from New Orleans and right. she did come to San Francisco yes and she was great and uh, and Kevin Meany and Dana Gould was up there and Proops uh, came later but like Dana that, Carvey yeah. Um, uh, uh, I don't know where Kevin Nealon was from. Yeah, Steve Pearl's from Steve there. Steve Pearl. Um, uh, Kevin Nealon used to come work there. I'm not sure where he was from originally, but I love Kevin Nealon. He's great. He's just so silly. Yeah, I'm going to have him on in a couple of weeks. Yeah, he's he's always very funny. I think underrated as well. Um, yeah, I do too, actually. And the nicest man in the world. Yeah. So what? when was the first break? I mean, you were in San Francisco hammering out doing- I'm the, waiting Alex for Alex Bennett. It. How about Alex Bennett? Yeah, he was big with the- Yeah. He, <laughs> Look at okay, that face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not yeah, for you, huh? Not so much. <laughs> Not so Did much. you have a, a specific incident that made, or was it just no, him I just, talking about I never about his, liked what he was cultivating there. Which I just, was- uh, Kind of a mean-spirited stuff that I don't like. By the time I got to San Francisco, when I lived there for two years in 92, all he did was talk about maybe he was sick. That that was the entire show. I was like, I, I feel sweaty. Does anyone, I got a little <laughs> stomach thing. Like, and it was just three comics <laughs> sitting there watching Alex talk about, you know, does anyone else feel like oh, a, that, that stomach thing? That is too thing? funny. Yeah. No, he, he um, you know. Uh, right. Shock jock, hookers, yeah, porn stars. He liked, um, and so what he did sort of to the co- San Francisco comedy scene was obviously if you could get on the Alex Bennett show, which was a very popular radio show at the time, um, you were going to be able to sell tickets. Right. And the, the people that he cultivated and brought on his show that then became, you know, I mean, it is after all a business, um, you know, that then became the people that were sort of, you know, he was a bit of a king maker. Right. And I guess I just, I never was fond of 
the sense of humor that he popularized. Right, but it, like, was it? It didn't seem like, unlike New York or maybe Philadelphia, that you know it was completely uh, filth oriented. I mean, he did he did sort of champion some pretty good acts. Maybe he had an issue with women. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I really felt that he perhaps he chanted perhaps he championed some pretty good acts. I guess I think that they might have been better had they gone in a different uh, in a different direction. It's like I mean, he wasn't responsible for their sort of innate right. abilities, but the subject matter that they enjoyed, I just never did. They, sure. You know, there, yes, there was a lot of he man women haters clubs, which I thought was really funny when the Stooges did it. Right. Um, <laughs> But that was the 40s. <laughs> I think we're ready for some new thoughts. So yeah. I that felt like not, I didn't, so they, yeah, that wasn't, you know, the thing about San Francisco, it, it, is, it is such a, uh, um, it really is a place that, you know, sort of embraces uh, the unique. Yeah. And I felt like what he was doing wasn't, and, you know, there's nothing unique about you know, sort of um, ghettoizing a group of people that that's not unique at all. Unfortunately, right. that's as old as the hill. So I just didn't like that bent, and I felt it kind of messed San Francisco up a bit. So you you stayed away from the show. I did. Yeah. I, you know, the truth is, I suppose that if they had ever liked me, right. I, I might have carefully molded myself to you know to fit there. Who, I mean, I might have been on his show like once or something right. like that. Who were your but pals just, in San Francisco, comic wise? Um, Dana Carvey. Um, Do you guys still stay in touch? Uh, we don't. Uh-huh. Uh, we 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 really don't. I mean, it, w- the last time I saw him was at the 30 year anniversary um, show for the other cafe, which was held like about a year ago. Um, did you do the Holy October. City Zoo? I did. Yeah, so yeah, because yeah, I got there right when that was closing its doors forever. Oh, that's uh, that's too bad. Was it, it was great? a fun and funny place, you know. Yeah. I remember uh, my friend Jane Dornacker was there one night, and uh, she was a very funny comic, very iconic uh, to San Francisco, and. Uh, she didn't used to go to the Holy City Zoo, and one night she was on stage, and it was like we were talking about, you know, there was a handful of people. When it was packed, it seated 50, I think. Right. I mean, it was, a, right. it was oh, yeah. like a closet. Really it was a yeah. very small place. They had a balcony that, they, I think, sat two people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the spice rack. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, one night, Jane was on, and, I, and some audience member said, you know, how come you never come here? And she said, um, because it smells like vomit. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's a good enough reason. <laughs> and I thought, you know... That's what that smells like. <laughs> so that's what's been bothering me. Yeah, yeah, that Thank was you, it. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane, for putting words on it. <laughs> so you did you did Carson with Carson? I did do Carson with Carson. Uh, um, but never in the way, by the time I did Carson, um, I don't, th- you know, I don't think his brethren uh, experienced this. But I, mean, I did Carson when Carson didn't talk to you. Oh. You know what I mean? Towards the end? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I was on... Um, he's, you know, there's sort of a high, but then you're sitting in a chair beside a man who, like, when they go to a break, it was like I wasn't there. So you did, like, in that, it, it was it the, uh, would be the late 80s, you, you know, you started to become, like, uh, an established, like, one of the people. Like, you won a Club Comic Award, didn't you? An Ace Award and I stuff like that. I gotta tell you, that. though, everyone won a Club Comic Award, especially no, but, if but, you're uh, a woman. Uh, I mean, I, it always makes me laugh when no, people but you're, are introduced with, you know, in 19, blah, 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 she won the... But, but it's not funniest but, comic of the year. But you are one of the. You're a, a rare comic. You know, it does. It's not an issue of uh, of of 
male or female in the sense that you are, have a very unique sensibility. Uh, you, there's nobody like you. Uh, you're, you're an authentic voice. So well, it, it does make you. a difference. I'll tell you something. In my home, I am a household name. Sure. Well, that's great. Yeah. It's good that you've I got the kids trained the like kids. that. Yeah. I say, <laughs> you know what? You will know who I am. When you come into a room, they're like, you might have seen her on. <laughs> yeah. I asked for an introduction. <laughs> full introduction. But uh, what, because I vaguely remember, like, there was a big. You you got it a, a big show, and I I'm, I'm not trying to be condescending or dismissive, but all I recall from uh, it was a talk show, but it was it was going to be a complete new approach, right? Yeah. And I remember that you had a, a, a big suit on, and there were ladders involved, and it was I don't in. I think there was a ladder involved, but it was a big but space. I like it that you think that there were ladders. No, no, involved. I just picture like you know Paul is doing a talk show in an airline hangar. No, it was a. <laughs> I guess it was a. It was a big space. Um. It was, I think you're referring to the show for ABC, and it mm-hmm. was cleverly called the Paula Poundstone Show. Very smart. And, you know, I'll tell you something. But was it, it was a late of, night show, though, right? It was a, being, it was a Saturday, Saturday okay. at nine. Right. Um, uh, there were a lot, I mean, there were a lot of elements of the show. And, of course, they did that thing, that laughable thing that television does where they say, we'll leave you alone and we won't worry about the ratings you find the show you know you kind of you know noodle with it and get what you know and get find what works yeah and uh you know we were canceled after three Right, they, you know. they they give you that. That's their that's their pitch to you until they panic, and right. then they yeah. they no yeah. longer get. All yeah. right, your time's up. Yeah, we gave you. And the what? thing is, I mean, one of the things about coming to LA, I don't know if you experienced this, but one of the things about coming to LA is there is a language here um, that is all of its own, and it's like, for example, I mean, I feel stupid saying this, but uh, maybe it's a cautionary tale. I don't know. Um, when someone in the business, like whether it's an agent or a manager or a producer or a mm-hmm. casting person, when they say, we love you, um, it means something different <laughs> than it means in the rest of the country. Uh-huh. And I was young when I started, and I didn't know that. And right. so I went through this horrible period where... Um, uh, you know where people would say, and it's not like I—it's not like I arrived on the scene thinking that I was the greatest thing since toast. Yeah, because I didn't. Yeah, um, I had uh, probably a, a healthy amount of um, you know skepticism about my own abilities. Um, but you know, I would meet these people who would see me and they go, "We love you," and I would think they love me. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, I, I really I, thought so. Yeah. And then it turned out. That, I, I don't know. I guess I overheard them talking to someone else. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, they love him too. That's a lot of love. So, you know, ABC, what is this love? That, yeah. that phrase that you meant, you know, yeah. that, that, you know, we'll leave you alone. You're absolutely right. They they say that it means nothing. Yeah. It means nothing. It yeah. means that, you know. They'll so, hang you out to dry. Is right, exactly. So yeah. long as we're getting what we want, you know, right. what we think we want, we're right. going to tell you anything we must. Again, it's like dealing with a politician. So it was really funny is after the ABC. C show was canceled and it was you know it was a fairly heartless operation um, later this guy that had been sort of a lower echelon ABC guy and now has moved his way up um, took me to lunch one day to talk to me about a daytime show which yeah. never made any sense to me at all yeah. I'm like well I don't see how that's gonna work right you know I you know I, I could barely get away with late night I daytime I'll be you know they'll hang me yeah and uh, uh, the guy said to me at one point we're over lunch, and he says, uh, 
we'll leave you alone. And I just, I think I was truly, I did a real life spit take. I yeah. just went like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said, I got bad news for you. Yeah. Uh, I've been here for a couple of years now. You can't say that to <laughs> yeah, me don't anymore. Don't leave me alone. And the, the guy even started to laugh. Yeah. He was like, yeah. And I just, you know, I couldn't help wondering if in executive class, you know, they don't go over the phrases, you know, like like in a Berlitz language, right. you know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, uh, how are you today? <laughs> we will leave you alone. <laughs> These okay. are bad things. Yeah. I used to say- We love you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that just means, uh, I yeah. think she can make us money. Yeah. I don't know, exactly. but I think so. Yeah. I, so I, you're I on, uh, you're, you do Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me a Lot. You're on NPR a lot. You do political correspondent work. You were writing for Mother Jones for a while. You've done a lot of uh, interesting things. You know, and you, you're a thinking person's person, which is good. Well, thank you very much. Now, what about the, let's talk a little bit about the struggles. Can you? We can talk a little bit about the struggles. Um, like, because I know early on, like, did, did you have an eating thing? No. Never just eat a lot. Oh, oh, because I've never, like, I just, like, I know, I know the, uh, the ring ding thing was like, I didn't no. know if it was an issue. No, <laughs> no. I, you know, I'll tell you something, it's becoming more of an issue as my meta- metabolism slows down a bit, uh-huh. but uh, no. No, I'm, not too bad? Um, no, I'm pretty lucky is the honest truth, because I've been able to, you know, I have not led a life of- uh, Debauchery. Well, and... of careful- <laughs> you know, health choices, uh-huh. and uh, and and I I haven't paid for it as heavily as some. So, that's true. Yeah, so that's just luck of the draw. And uh, in terms of like uh, kind of like rebuilding after uh, the uh, the incidents around the legal problems you had, I mean, how has that how has that been for you? Good. Yeah. <laughs> I work really hard. Yeah. I'm the hardest working person that I know. I, I I say to my children all the time. I go when they're uh, being annoying. See, did you ever see mom sit in a chair? Have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah. Was <laughs> that was it all resolved? Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, I did everything that I had to do to you know make my peace with the law. Yeah, uh, and I did. And, and did uh, you did you like uh, did you have a drinking issue or no? Oh, absolutely. And ha- are you sober now? I, uh, it depends <laughs> who you ask. <laughs> I don't, I'm asking you. I don't drink. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I do drink. I drink. Uh, I drink Diet Coke. Yeah, Diet yeah, Coke. And I got to tell you something. When yeah. I first quit drinking, um, I was dry and 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 thirsty a lot. And uh, it turned out that it was alcohol that they were referring to when they said don't drink. And so that was a breakthrough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. You didn't realize um, you didn't have to stop yeah, drinking everything. Exactly. And right. you know, my skin had taken on sort of a Chinese paper quality. <laughs> Um, With the cat litter calluses, yeah, yeah, yeah the, and yeah. the dangerous. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't drink, and I'm, and I'm glad not to drink. But I am not a, uh, I am not uh, an AAer, and so some people would feel, you know, if you say sober, it's like you're, they've trademarked the word. Sure, the right. AA people, but you know, yeah, like I, I think the issue with that, with you know, uh, you know, sobriety the AA way, and 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 sober on your own uh, terms, is I, I think the fear is that you'll get dry and cranky, and you know, be all dry drunky, and you know, control yeah, I don't freaky. Really and... understand what all that means? Yeah. The dry drunky thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, you know, those are it basically again, those are trademark terms. I will tell you one thing. Means you're an aggravated control freak. That's what that's what dry I, I drunk was, is. Uh, I went backpacking with my daughter um, in the uh, on Mount San Jacinto about two years ago. Now, in fact, it was February. Um, we were in twelve feet of snow, and um, we had the experience of getting dehydrated, which uh, I think because of the altitude and stuff. And um, we weren't gone long. It wasn't long enough to risk life, um, but it did take us days to recover after we got home. And um, 
And one thing that I noticed as we were hiking, and, you know, we planned for this trip for a long time. It was a good thing to be doing. It was spectacular scenery, of course. And, uh, you know, we're hiking along, and I'm noticing myself sort of sinking like a rock emotionally, and I couldn't figure out why. I'm like, wait, I'm where I want to be, doing what I want to be doing, with whom I want to be doing it. What's the matter? And later, when I realized that we didn't drink enough water, it actually was one of the most eye-opening things of my entire life. Do you know it's really important to drink water? That's what I hear. Yeah, yeah. I really, I mean, I've spent my- I hear it's necessary. As it turns out. I mean, I've spent my life, I drink a lot of diet soda. That does not help. I, do, I used to do but that, I used to, to do that on yourself, stage too. Uh, well, Were you a cab I, person? I still, no, that was both ways. I still drink a lot of diet soda, and I know it's not good for me, but I do enjoy it. But I drink a lot of water now because it actually is connected to your emotional well-being, which is why when you go to a therapist, they never say, would you like a glass of water? Right. Um, <laughs> that's part out, of what we were talking about before the vet thing the dentisting the orthodontist that's part of their racket no water it's absolutely true you know to some degree I, I mean I realize that lives are complicated and, and, and all um, uh, but to some degree some elements I think of of happiness and balance are so much easier than I ever thought them to be you oh, know yeah. what I mean and it happens a little with, with age a little bit too you start to relax a little bit and... I, that may be part of it I mean I think that you go through a chemical change or certainly I did in, 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 in you know, in about 40. But, um, uh, you know, drink some water and get a decent night's sleep and it's the darndest. <laughs> you, you know, and I just think of all those years of all the therapy, all the angst, all the journaling, all the, you know, just, you know, miserable phone calls. And, and I look back on it now just with deep humiliation, like, okay, drink some water <laughs> yeah, and, and go to bed. Take a rest. It's not all that challenging. Did you find that when like, when you were going through the legal problems, like because like I know as being a person that is not a mainstream person necessarily and has sort of an odd point of view on the world and that people want to believe you're an oddball, that that you know some people, despite the fact you know copying to a, a drinking problem and having the other stuff explained and dismissed, that some people wanted to hold you there. They wanted to believe the worst. Oh, oh, for sure, but not the fans. You know, not, not the people who actually enjoy me. Yeah, um, st- stuck with me. And, yeah, and uh, you know, and and that's that. But you know, I was never, um, uh, I, 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 I never had a, an enormous um, fan base. Right. Uh, I mean, I think I always was a, a bit of a, a, a boutique, mm-hmm. um, and so, y- you know. Um, and that just was. And you ad- you addressed it on stage, and you did some material about it. Oh, and- yeah, Be- only because it was on my mind a lot. My act is largely autobiographical. I right. mean, I talk about I talk about at this point raising a house full of kids and animals. Um, you have three to, kids. I do. Um, trying to pay enough attention to the news to cast a halfway decent vote, which is not always easy to do. Um, you know, the the poor, sad state of uh, of uh, our public schools and and our broadcast news. And um, and then my favorite part of the night is talking to the audience. I do the time honored. Where are you from? What do you do for a living? Um, but therefore, when I first started out. Uh, when I was 19, I talked a lot about busing tables and taking public transportation. And, um, you know, when I uh, uh, when I uh, um, was lucky enough to get kids, uh, you know, I talked a lot about uh, raising kids. And when I, you know, had legal troubles, I talked a lot about legal. It's sort of what it, you know, what is in How do you life. feel you were treated by the legal system in general? Um, you know, fairly lousy. But you know what? I Here's the thing about the legal system. It's the same thing as a political system. Um, which is that it is filled uh, with people. 
and you know we are all flawed and so it's not going to be uh it's not a science um so you're going to deal with personalities and kind of bents right throughout the the whole thing and for the entire incident of my legal problems i have no one to blame but myself did i not have myself in that position i would not have been dealing with the legal system. I mean, not that I don't think there are improvements to be made uh, uh, in terms of the legal system. I think that we as a, you know, as a country need to, you know, keep hacking away at, at, um, how, you know, that's the great, that's the great challenge of a, of a civilization is how, how do you get right. fairness? So, so the um, bottom line is you take responsibility for your part oh, of it, which absolutely. was like I was drinking and there was yeah. and this and that's done. Yeah. And the other thing um, was, uh, but you know, then you, but guess what? When you deal with the legal system, you deal with some assholes. Blow me away. Uh Oh, is that you? It is. Is it time to stop? That's all the time we have. It's, it's, it's <laughs> as if I'm in the front row at the, at the, at the New York Philharmonic. Isn't that where? I have no idea who that is. Either. You don't? No. You know, I'm glad right. that uh, that everything is, um, you know, back on track and you're doing well. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I am. I yeah. am. I'm lucky. I mean, I, you know, it was a long time ago, thank goodness. Um, and so, you know, the next chapter and the next chapter. But, you know, work is good and you're on public radio a lot and you're doing a lot of touring. What... I love my job. That's yeah. one of the, I don't know if that's an age thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not like I ever didn't like my job, but I think there was a time where I felt somehow more put upon. I don't know where I got off with that feeling ever. Um, just, I guess it was my reaction to being busy, I suppose, because yeah. it's hard sometimes to figure out how to spin all those plates. And now I just, I consider, I mean, every time I step on stage, I just, I am filled with this. The excitement of talking to the crowd, the sheer joy of of getting to do that and, and, that, and the feeling of, how unbelievably lucky I am. So I go to every job, I think, just, you know, just I, I feeling like uh, just, you know, looking forward to telling stuff to people and getting their reaction and having that endorphin production. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, it, was your family supportive? I mean, do they are they all happy for you and whatnot? I, I have no idea. I always tell people, uh, and I tell this to my children, too. That when I was 19 and I started, people used to say to me all the time, well, you know, what do your parents think mm-hmm. about that? And I always responded to them, I don't think it's any of their business. <laughs> and I tell my kids that story and I say, and you may have the same. It's not up to me what you do. It's up to you what you do. I mean, I may have an opinion about it, but don't let that stop you. Right. So did they have an opinion about it? I have no idea. Re- I never yeah. asked. Really? Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. How about your your siblings? Um, I think that they were su- supportive. I suppose we, you know, we we all kind of went our different ways. I think I I, I don't. Uh, it just you know it would never have occurred to me to ask them what they thought. But usually parents will step in and say something, or siblings, or you just don't. You're not that close with them. No, I re- you know I really wasn't. And and by the way, as opposed to what I mean, I think I was I, my my my. If I was trying to be realistic when I was young, I would have said that I was gonna you know probably someday manage a restaurant. Yeah. Um. So and not that that's a bad thing to no. do. It's a great thing to do. Sure. But uh, I think that I'm glad in retrospect that I don't. Um. Because you know what? When I worked at Bickford's Pancake House, I was never that good with the cash. <laughs> yeah. I used to put the I used to put the checks underneath the drawer in the cash register mm-hmm. with the money. Mm-hmm. I would just put it all under there and decide that I would fix it later. <laughs> Which I think upset the manager. <laughs> so you're better off doing what you do. Yeah. This show has, you know, turned turned my career around because I was at a point where, you know, I didn't have anything. 
Like there, and there was no, I, I didn't know what else to do. And I have to assume that given what you went through, that there was a moment there where you were like, I, you know, what am I going to do? I was, uh, I was trying hard to think of a plan B. Yeah. And by the way, come, coming up with nothing. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I we're, we're riding in the car one day and yeah. I, and I, and I, and I said to my kids, um, I always try to let them know, and this was like, right at the time where we were really struggling. I yeah. was in the midst of the legal problems and, and uh, you know, my th- things were very difficult. And to, we're riding in the car and I always tried to tell the kids a couple days ahead of time when I was going out of town so it wouldn't blow them out, out yeah. of the water. So I say, uh, I say, I go, okay, mom's going on the big plane day after tomorrow because that's yeah. how we said it. Yeah. And uh, my son was, you know, huffing and oh, oh, was very upset about it. And, and I said, honey, you know, I have racked my brain to think of something I could do. Yeah. You know, I yeah, said, but I don't, I don't know how to do <laughs> anything else. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and my, <laughs> my daughter, Allie, who I don't know, she was maybe seven at the time, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, she, she said, um, she goes, oh, mom. And she goes, I love it that you're a stand up comic. And then she took this funny little pause and she said, and don't you love it? Which was such a, such a great moment. I mean, I, I I mean, she's a regular kid. She's a kid who, you know, wants more for herself and, you know, uh, but for that moment, she cared about whether or not I was happy in my work, (laughs) which would just blew me away. You know, I mean, I, um, and it's not like I'd ever sat and talked with her about whether I was happy in yeah, my yeah. work. I try not to burden my children with all of my difficulties. Yeah. Um, but one time, she she's a funny kid that way. Yeah. She's a great kid. One time we were walking down the street, because trust me, soon thereafter, she returned to as selfish as any other yeah. kid can be. Um, and that's just how they're supposed to be. There's nothing wrong with it. But there it. are those moments where they're just geniuses and sensitive and perceptive and they understand everything. And and so great. Yeah. yeah. I don't have enough of those moments myself. Yeah. Um, we're walking down the street one day. We dropped her older sister off at school and uh, it happened to be uh, around Christmas time. And uh, I say to her, um, I go, why don't we go over to the mall and... Um, you could talk to Santa Claus. And she was like, well, why would I want to do that? Yeah. And I said, you know, a toddler. And I go, well, honey, because, you, you know, you sit on his lap and you tell him what you want for Christmas. And uh, she walked for a little ways and she said, well, I, you know. I, I said, well, have you thought about what you want for Christmas? She said, no. And uh, she thought about it for a little while. And we walked and walked and thought about it for a little while. And she said, I would like a Christmas bear. And that was it. <laughs> That was it. I, I almost started to weep right there on the street. Like I thought, what a wonderful child I've raised that has no, you know, she feels she has everything she needs. There's nothing that she wants uh, other than a Christmas. Such a beautiful yeah. moment. And we walked a little further and she said, I thought of something else. Yeah. <laughs> At which point the scroll went out like, like, oh, there's more. She, she just needed to process. She's <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah. the window's open here. I got yeah, a portal yeah. into getting my needs met yeah, uh, yeah. with so, things. So, do we have time to stop and get a catalog? It yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> but that, but that feeling of like, uh, you, you know, of, uh, of what you mentioned before, uh, this this endorphin thing or this give and take with an audience. Um, I, I mean, and, and I think you, you sort of hinted at it. It's not. It's a mutual thing. Like, oh, 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 yeah. Like yeah. that, you know, that, you, you know, you're giving something. I never really thought about it like that. That, like, you know, it makes you feel good. 
But the audience... Oh, that's what keeps you coming back for more. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the... I I don't do it because I'm, you know, a selfless, giving individual. I do it because that response and that connection fills me up. And and it is the connection. You know, I fear... I mean, I do the Twitter thing. uh, Yeah. uh, And I enjoy it a lot. And I, you know, do goofy, stupid Facebook. and, And I enjoy it a lot. But I don't for a moment feel that that's what fills me up. I mean... To be with people and feel that connection, yeah. Um, you know, you can't stay in your in your garage all the time. I can't. It's not healthy. But it's working right it's, now. Well, that's good. But there has to be, you know, you I'm gotta. Not, I'm getting out a little. Yeah, you yeah. got. Yeah, no, it's it's very important to right. connect. We're pack animals. Okay, you're um, right. So when you go to a theater, you know, yeah. and you say, I can tell people things about me that just if I were on my own reflecting, sometimes even feel like I'm a freak or something. Thing, you know, yeah. um, and I share it with an audience. It just here's just a you know random. I was diagnosed uh, about twelve years ago or so with obsessive compulsive disorder. Well, the truth is, everyone has OCD. It's only diagnosed based on the degree to which it interrupts your life. But it's so funny to go on stage and tell people about that and have everybody in the crowd, like some people who didn't even know that they were responding to you know that that's what they have yeah um and probably had felt somewhat freakish about their behaviors before and now everybody you know i get peals of laughter over it because people go oh me too what's how does yours manifest itself well for one thing and and you're about to recognize this i can't stop talking to save my life That's a big one. But do, but do you redo things and go back and check things, or do, do things need to be in order? Do I'm you... a big, uh, I'm a big. Uh, well, I'm a big vacuumer. Now, it, as it happens, my life is set up such that sure, I you, must. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a big cleaner. Yeah. Um, I uh, I used to be a big floor scrubber. Um, and you know, by the way, there's virtue to that. Of course, then yeah. You, no, obsessive compulsive disorder clean. can be very proactive. You want, you know, the, I think the Wright brothers in had it up the yin yang, and I thank them for that. <laughs> yeah. um, I think you want your accountant to have it. Uh, yeah, there are good reasons <laughs> to have OCD, and then and then sometimes it's not so sure. productive. Yeah, if you can't get out of the house because the gas just doesn't seem to be turned off, then yeah, you're, yeah, then that's not so problem. bad. I remember one time seeing like one of those, you know evening magazine kind of television shows about they were doing a piece on a guy who had it and and he kept straightening the tassels on the end of his rug and he had a wife and kids and they're all being interviewed they're all like crying you know dad he keeps he won't go to work and i'm like why would you buy a tassel rug then (laughs) because um if i had a tassel rug i would straighten the tassels all day absolutely no question that's why i don't have a tassel rug (laughs) You know, like there is no disorder that I can think of that makes a man buy a tassel rug. Right. Why don't the the concerned wife and children, when the man falls asleep, which he's going to do eventually, replace the rug. Take the rug to the dump, for heaven's sakes. But I think sometimes that OCD or, or obsession in itself is, is sort of a, a it's it's a hole filler. It's a spiritual thing that if you're grounded in an obsessive behavior, it gives your life some consistency. And if it's not too damaging or too uh, crazy, then you know, then so be it. Oh, I don't think it's necessarily harmful. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Um, I wish I always say to people, I used to just think I was an asshole. It was so good to find out that you're <laughs> that there was <laughs> something in particular that was causing. You know, so it's always good to find the pathology behind being an asshole. Yeah, it's very, very helpful. You know, so you know, so you organize the cereals and then leave the house. You know, you alphabetize. I'm a big. <laughs> I used to work in a bookstore. Perfect. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, once sure. you've worked in a bookstore, you never can stop straightening. 
Yeah, well, that and it's good that everything's in alphabetical order as long as nobody messes with that order. Yeah. Well, it was great talking to you, Paul. It was nice talking with you. Thank you so much. Hell yeah. Okay, that's it. That's all of it. I'll be back in the garage on Thursday. Hope you enjoyed the chat with Paula. She's a very interesting, odd bird. Very funny. Like talking to her. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. I don't have any just coffee on me, so I can't pow it up for you people. But go there. Get on the uh, get on the mailing list. Pick up some merch. Kick in a few shekels. Look at the new shirts. Got the coop shirts up in the merch area. The Hot Rod, Big Daddy Roth style coop shirts. Very excited about those. Oh, my God. I got to go outside. I have to go outside or or sleep, nap. How come my right eye isn't working? <laughs>